This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. A lot to talk about today. We're going to talk about Parshas Baloscha Perches Pusik Vav. Some take the Levium from Bnei Yisrael, purify them. This is how you purify them. You should sprinkle upon them waters of purification. Is the words the Paraduma ashes. You should bring a, a razor on all of their flesh. Let them wash their clothing. And then they're going to be pure. There's a question what this is doing here. The Ramban, the Ibn Ezra, the Tur all talk about that. The Aznayim Torah says that Aaron was upset about the Nisim, that they were able to bring all their Korbanos at the end of Parshas Nasso. So he got the menorah in the beginning of the Parsha. But that's good for Aaron. What about Shevet Levi? Shevet Levi didn't have anything. So Shevet Levi was represented by this. They went into this idea of the Avodah Salavim. And therefore, they were, you could say, purified, made pure to go into this entire thing. This is Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar over here. But let's go into the purification process itself. The purification process was amazingly unique. It's not like anything else in the world. The Abarbanel says, anyone raised to a higher position in life requires some sort of change in what he's wearing and what he does. First, he has to get away from the people right around him and separate from them. That's the first thing he has to do. He has to stay away from all those people. Next, they have to keep away from Averos, from other things that could bring them down, that could knock them down completely. Number three, stay away from taivas that are bad for them, different desires that are bad for them, hinted by the hair on their bodies, right? The idea behind it is just like this. The taivas are that, stay away from bad meadows, hinted that their change of clothing, right? And it seems that there was a six-step process. So here's the six steps. Number one, take the ashes of the paraduma and sprinkle it on them in order to get rid of the tumas mace they might have had. This is only tumas mace, it's not for any other tumah, because paraduma ashes only work for tumas mace, it doesn't work for anything else. Shavit Levi were the ones that killed everybody by the eagle of. So therefore, they needed something to get rid of that tumas mace. That definitely happens. So that's the tumas mace that was gone, that was the ashes of the paraduma. Then you have the Bechor Shore. The Bechor Shore says that until that point, they weren't careful about this tumah. So therefore, it wasn't done with the Paradum ashes or anything like that, so they made sure that they were careful from that day forward. The Verbasada says there was no Afer Pari yet. They didn't even have it yet. So there were still Tamei Mesim. Everybody was Tamei Mesim up until this point. It was only after this point that they were getting around, etc., and that's that. Number two, take a razor and pass it over their entire bodies. We're going to concentrate on that tonight. They would have to get rid of all of the hair on the normal parts of their bodies. That means, seemingly, they have to shave off all the hair of their head, their payas, their beards, and any hair that's showing. If people had hair on their arms that were showing, you'd have to show that. They did not get rid of the hair underneath their arms, any hair around the erva, any hair around there, they didn't have to. Chest hair is a question. It's not specifically excluded, not specifically included, but definitely without a question, it's the hair on their head, their beards, their payas, and we'll get into a couple ideas behind that. The Abarbanel and the Ibn Ezra says it was done before the ashes were sprinkled, sprinkled on them. Number three, wash their clothing like they did by Harsinai. That had to be done in the Be'er Shom Miriam. They took off all their clothes, redid them completely, and that's understood from the word Behitaharu, based on different Rishonim, fine, that's... That's number three. Number four, they have to bring a korban, two korbanos, one bowl as a korban ola, and a flower offering that was mixed with oil to be brought with it, and another bowl as a korban chatos. Both of those have to be brought. They have to lean their hands on top of the animals to put their sins upon them, declaring them to be an ola and a chatos, and that's what happened. Rashi says, neither one was eaten. They were burned entirely to a Baruch Hu, and that was that. 
Number five, bring them in front of the Ol Moed. All of Bnei Yisrael would be gathered there, and they did smicha. Smicha means they leaned their hands on top of the Levium, just like the Levium did to the animals themselves to confess their sins onto the Levium themselves. Very quickly, if there's 600,000 Jews in Klal Yisrael, and they had to put their hands on 22,000 Levium, even if it's just 600,000 people on one person, if that's all that happened, 600,000 on one person, think about that. Let's say they took a second each to do smicha. One second. That's 600,000 seconds for them to do it. That, that's almost an impossibility. It's almost impossible to think that such a thing could have happened, right? To think that such a thing could have been it's there. But then it gets even crazier. In number six, Aaron approached all the Levium and waved them. Literally, picked them up like a lulav. Every single lady picked them up and shook him like you would a lulav. Right, left, up, down, forward, back. He shook them like a lulav. 22,000 levium. And Aaron's picking them all up. You can imagine, like, there were a couple of them that was just, like, super easy. And then there were some who were just like, oh, man, like the Gerich Hasidim. They were just like, I don't know what to do here. According to the Medrash, he shook all 22,000 at the exact same time. This is crazy. It's a crazy process. There's nothing like this. Not only did he do, do it once, there is a different opinion this way, but it seems like he did it three times. Three times. Who in the world is doing this, and what in the world is the point? Yeah. What do you, what do you got, Shlomo? Is it possible? I know that normally you can't have a shliach for smicha. Yeah. Correct. There could be a shliach. There could be a shliach. We just don't see it that way. And it says to bring them in front of the Olmo, so that B'nai Yisrael could do smicha. It sounds like, sounds like, doesn't have to be, that each one of B'nai Yisrael had to do it. I can't tell you for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, honestly, I, I, I absolutely, we don't have any information on stuff like that. Like, we have Midrashim that seem to say that it was just miraculous, but we don't have any actual information on what happened. I'm just telling you, these are straight up psukim. There's no, like, Midrashim here. Yeah. Where was this in relation to the Miluim? The second day of Nisan. It wasn't during the Miluim. It was the day after Rosh Chodesh Nisan, so after the Mishkan was already so set up, that's when they burned the ashes. Yeah, they learned about it, but they didn't do it until the next day. That's 100% correct, but that's one of them over here. Then, Moshe Rabbeinu was told to take the Levium. That's the idea of your kach es Levium. So Rashi tells us, taking the Levium was with words. He has to convince them to do so. Be happy, Moshe Rabbeinu told them. You're servants of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You get to be Avdei Hashem. Baruch Hashem, you get to be Avodim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what he told them. The Sifs come in the Mizrahi and the Gorari. He says, it's not a Kenyan. Where do you learn Kicha, 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 Misdei Ephron? In the beginning of right? Normally, it's a form of a Kenyan. You pick them up and you make a Kenyan on them. But it wasn't. It wasn't a Kenyan. They weren't acquired by Moshe Rabbeinu. They weren't placed in his possession. So it wasn't a Kenyan. He has to take them only with words to show them this is going to be the best thing for them. Now, the Yalashachar of Steinman says that it's so that they don't have any gaiva. That they were chosen not because of their greatness, but because of Aaron, maybe, or something else. But regardless, that's the reason why they have to be taken, so that there wouldn't be any gaiva. But the Be'erba Sodeh was saying, you have to convince them, because think of what you're doing here. You're shaving off all of the hair of their heads, their beards, and their face. They're bald, not just bald, they look disgusting, weirdly disgusting. Korach came home, and his wife complained so much, it started an entire fight of Adas Korach, because she said that you look ridiculous, you look absolutely ridiculous, 
right? How in the world could you have gone from hair, normal hair? Remember, back then, many of them also became Nazirim, so you could have had more hair than normal, and you have to get rid of it, and your pants, and your beard. You look so different from everyone else, he had to convince them to do it. The Oznayim Latorah says, it's more than that. Levium didn't have land in Eretz Yisrael. Levium didn't have any parnasa. They had to live their entire lives as poor people. Can you imagine going up to somebody and saying, listen, I want you to be a Meshulach the rest of your life. You will never have enough money. You're always going to be living off of other people. Whatever people give you, that's what you're going to have. And other than that, you'll have nothing. Can you imagine living that way? You can't live that way. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to go up to them and convince them, this is the best thing for you. You're serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is your Avodah Hashem. You may not understand it, but it's worth it. It's going to be worth it. That's the way that they said right over there. Now, there are other opinions, not just taking them with words. Ibn Ezra, the Rashbam, the Rabbin Bachaya, the Tur, they say they, he literally took them out from among B'nai Yisrael. Up until that point, there were no Degullim yet. They weren't set up in their different areas. That was on Rosh Chodesh ear the next month. Even though Bamidbor comes before Nassau and Baloscha, chronologically Bamidbor comes after Nassau and Baloscha. It's the first of year versus the first of Nisan, this being the second of Nisan. So they haven't been set up yet. So we had to separate them from the rest of Klai Yisrael. They're living among, with their tents, among Bnei Yisrael. So he tells them, get out. Get out from where you are. You need to separate from them because you need Tahara. You can't be among these people. You're going to have to live in a separate camp. That's going to be something that's special. And he took Shevet Levi out literally from the rest of B'nai Yisrael. The Orachayim HaKadr says, it was simply put, there's Machanel Leviya. He started that status right now, even though it didn't officially happen, where you had, you know, Yehuda, if you had over here, Yehudi, Yisachar, Zvulin, and you had Reuven, Shimon, and Gud, and Ephraim, Menashe, and Binyamin, and Don, Naphtali, and Asher, right in their places with Shevet Levi over there, right in between, right by the Mishkan. They, that hadn't started yet. But there was a form of a Machna Leviyah that started right over there. That's the idea. Some say the Panam Yafos, the Hathla, says that this was Makayim, the Bracha of Yaakov. Yaakov will give them a Bracha. Achal came by Yaakov, Vafit him by Yisrael. Shevet Levi should be spread out on purpose to teach Ka Yisrael. So they were doing that. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, not now. Not in the Midbor. In the Midbor, you have to remain separate. We need you Kadosh. We need you Tahor. They have to be separate completely. Now the Chassam Silver says, if you take the middle letter of Yisrael, and that's Kach Es Yisrael, the middle letter is Resh, which are the letters, says the Chassam Sofer, of the word Shir. That's their job. Their job is to sing. Yes, there were others that were gatekeepers, but their job was to sing itself. That's what's being given of them to Hashem. Take from Yisrael the letter Resh, Turn it into Shear, that's your job for all of Klal Yisrael. That's the idea. The part of Yosef adds on, he says, that's Yisrael, Shear Kel. Shir Aleph Lamed. That's your job. That's what you're going to do, and that's what you're going to stand for. The Panam Yafo says a crazy thing. Did everybody know this? When you go up to Shemaim for 120, you're going to be judged based on whatever you did in this lifetime. You're going to be put in a certain level. Well, every single year, you will go up a level, not because of anything you did. It's too late for you. But any, any things that you caused in this world will allow you to be rejudged on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, same way it is every year. Some say on your yurt site, the day of the person's death. That's why we say Kaddish and why we fast on that day for the person who's nifter because he's going through a brand new din. And that brand new din could bring him to a higher level. But if you go up to a higher level, you get judged according to things that you weren't judged for before. Like, for example... Right? If I want to be on level A, then they're only going to say, like, okay, well, he only needed to make sure that he didn't do X, Y, and Z. Right? He, let's just make up. Like, he has to make sure that he at least drank milk that had a hatcher on it. 
But if he wants to get to level B, let's go up to a higher level, then you have to make sure that you only eat Chol of Yisrael. So if you get to level B, if you suddenly get there, then all of a sudden you're punished for not keeping Chol of Yisrael your whole life. Not that that's a din, right? Because Ramosha says there's a hatcher for it without a question, even Lechachila. But in order to get to a higher level, you have to do that. So you're repunished year after year after year. And what that punishment is, we have no idea. We have absolutely no idea what that is. Maybe it's just a form of something that you get in Olam Haba. We have absolutely no idea. But says the Panam Yafos, this happens every single time. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's medaktek iman kechuda saira, according to the tiniest little bit that they do, because he has an expectation of them. And once you get past that, you go to a higher expectation then a higher expectation, a higher expectation. If Moshe takes them away from B'nai Yisrael and then brings them closer to Hashem, they're going to need a new tahara and a new kapara in order to get to that higher level that they were in before, and that's kachas levium. Take the levium to that higher level, rejudge them, make sure they understand they are not going to be expected to do X anymore. It's going to be more than that, and then bring them to the level that's supposed to be at. Zebi, what were you going to ask? No, yeah. Good? Okay, I asked it. Good. Answer, I hope I answered it. Says the Kliyakar. The Kliyakar has two words over here that are describing the Levium. There's the word Kicha, Lekicha, Kachas the Levium, and the word Nesina, Nesunim. They are given over to B'nai Yisrael. So he suggests that a Kicha is an exchange, like we say by marrying a woman, like we say by buying a field. There's an exchange of some sort. Whatever that means, there's something going on. That's the word Kicha, but a Nesina is not that. An Asina is giving yourself over and being part of something else, allowing yourself to being a part of something else. There were two, th- two parts to Levium's jobs. There was the work involved, and then there was their ability to become leaders for the rest of their lives. Now, I'm going to time out right here. I'm not positive I understand the end part of this Kliyakar. I'm not positive I understand what he's calling. This is my translation of the Kliyakar. You can feel free to look up the Kliyakar itself. It's a little bit long, but it might be he's saying a little bit differently from me. I had two ways of understanding it. I went with my first way, but I'm not positive I'm 100% right. I went with somebody else. I had a Chavrusa that I went with, but I'm, I'm still not sure. The Kliyakar is still an early Achor, and it's hard to read exactly what he wants to have. The first thing is that they carry part of the Mishkan, right? They have to put it on their backs and carry it from place to place throughout the Midbar itself. That that's obviously real work. They also had to sing and watch the gates, and that also is considered real work. But they also had to atone for the rest of Kla Yisrael. You know what we say now, and <laughs> it's so bad because Christianity really took this from us and like made it their own, where like Yashka is the atonement for all of them. So if you eat that wafer, it's like you're eating his flesh and you're drinking his blood, and he does the atonement for everybody else there. It was ours first. I just want everybody to know that. that That's there by us first. That tzaddik is machaper for the people around him is a concept that we've had for years. It's mentioned by the Gemara. We have it in Midrashim. It's not like this is something that was made up by others. It's our concept that's been appropriated, I, I would say, by others to be able to make it that way. So just know it's ours. Says the Kliyakar, Shevet Levi is Bikrovaya Kadesh. Sometimes people have to die. And if people have to die, Shevet Levi goes first. A kapara happens through great tzaddikim. And we really hope, we really hope that it's not because of our own sins that a great tzaddik has to die. But sometimes that is exactly what has to happen. In order to make sure that things don't happen to Klal Yisrael in a horrible fashion, tzaddikim are gone first. They're the ones who are taken out. Sometimes the Kodesh Baruch Hu takes out the Tzidikim so he doesn't see the raw. He doesn't see the bad that's going to happen. That's like the Gemara Bava Kama, Daftamachamabez. There are other concepts like this where we have this idea. Levi is going to be the quintessential tzaddik. 
they're going to represent B'nai Yisrael being destroyed. When B'nai Yisrael need to be destroyed, when something has to happen to them, this is what happens. They're the ones who get taken down. Shevet Levi is the one who are out. They are going to be the korban. And that's why we put our smicha, we lie our hands down on their heads. We put it on top of their heads and we say, this is on you. On you, Shevet Levi. You're going to be our guide from now on. And that's because Yaakovinu took off Meiser. He took Meiser off everything. He said, I will give Meiser off everything for a Kaddish Baruch even off of his kids. And when you go through the kids, taking out the Bechors, because the Bechors were already designated, you can go through and it's Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zvulun, Naphtali, Asher, Binyamin. The Bechors are all taken out. Shimon, Levi. The tenth is Levi. That's how the Daskani makes the Cheshven. Shevet Levi is the Meister. And because Yaakov you know, said, Aser I'm going to doubly give you Meister. It's as if he has one job where he's the official job doer, the guy who has to do things for the Mishkan itself, carrying, watching, singing, etc. And the other one is to be Machaper for Bnei Yisrael. They are going to be the leaders of Klal Yisrael. They're the ones who are taking over for all of Klal Yisrael. And their job is to be that way. And now, when we don't have this anymore, we no longer have Shevet Levi officially as our leaders. Shevet Levi as the tzaddik and pulled aside. Shevet Levi is allowed to do anything like everybody else. We're no longer an agricultural, agricultural culture, I should say. Like a system that bases themselves on land in which Shevet Levi had no part of it. Now... Anyone who chooses, the wording of the Rambam, anyone who chooses to be part of Shevet Levi and to dedicate themselves to that cause, to make sure they're there, they have this job. Their job is somewhat to die, die first. There's a comic. I forgot what his name is. And I, 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 I can't tell you he's a clean comic. He's not one of those clean ones. I, I, I don't know what he does, but somebody showed me a show of his years ago, and I still remember it to this day. Okay, so I'm trying not to be misogynistic, but I'm a guy, so by definition I am, okay? So I apologize that for the beginning. He was asked, why is it that when, that men are paid more than women? Why are men paid more than women? He said, I I wish men were paid more than women, but I'll tell you what, if we're on a ship and the ship is sinking, who gets to get off first? Women and children, right? Women and children first. I have to die with the ship because I'm a guy. So there's a dollar surcharge for that. And the dollar surcharge goes for every single thing that I do up until that point. Okay, it's a joke, okay? It's a bad joke, but it's a funny joke. It's a funny joke if you think about it. It's true. It's a, it's a true statement, right? Because I'm sp- speaking to all guys, right? Yeah. No, no girls have any opinions on this. So like, yeah, 100%. It's true. But that's the concept. Shave it, Levy is given something that's so different and anybody, they have to recognize this is their job. They are now the kapara for Klal Yisrael from then on. And the Igritakala, remember the Chassam Sofer took out the middle letter of Yisrael? The Igritakala says the word Yisrael, the middle letters of each letter of Yisrael. Yud, the middle letter is above. Shin, middle letter is a Yud. Resh is a Yud. Aleph is a Lamed. Lamed is a Mem. Right? The middle letter of each letter of those three letters, etc., of those five letters in the word Yisrael is Levim. Because the middle, the, the heart of all of Klau Yisrael are those Talmidei Chachamim, the great Sadikim and Shevet Levi, who are Mechaper for the rest of Bnei Yisrael. That's the Panemius, and that's the idea that he says from right over there. What are you going to say, Shalom?
Yeah, I, I think he's not referring to Shevet Levi as a, as a whole. I think he's referring to the Sadiqim being Mechaper. You can check out the Kliyakar yourself. I, I would suggest it, actually. He does say it. I'm just not sure if he considers this part of the Avoda part or part of the next part, which is leadership. That's my problem over here. But look at what he says. He says it very clearly. He also brought Raya's. I just didn't mention all of them out loud. Yeah, no. Um, you said before, like, there's some Sadiqim that, that die as to be a Mechaper, so yeah. Right. So what's, how do you know which ones, like... When they're dead, they know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think anybody down here is going to know. Right? I, I guess when they get up there, they're just like, you, we're column A, right? You, we're column B, right? Each one of them will find out right then. But, like, unfortunately, if anybody gets up at a funeral and says, like, he was the A, <laughs> you got a real problem there. I don't know what's happening at that funeral. see whether something No, you don't want to. Because you never know. Is it something locally or something general speaking? Is it referring to a hurricane in the middle of nowhere? You know, like, I have no idea. You never want to say stuff like that. There is a Meshachachma. He says something that really adds this Kliyakr. The Meshachachma says... 13 times it mentions B'nai Yisrael in this Parsha, in this area of Parsha's Naso. Third, uh, Baluska, I'm sorry, 13 times. That's because they should have been destroyed by the Egel, and only the Levium, right, were the ones who were left. That's all that should have happened. The 13 Midos HaRachamim came to save them. Now, somebody tried learning that it was 13, referring to the 13 Shvatim, including Sheva Levi, and they asked, what does Sheva Levi do? Maybe because they were Mocha, but I don't think that's the point. I think the point was that 13 times, so that the 13 Midas Arachim came and saved them. Sheva Levi was chosen as to be Mechaper for B'nai Yisrael, and even Adas B'nai Yisrael is mentioned once, says the Meshachachma, to hint to the women who weren't involved in the Egloves of. It's such a crazy idea, such an unbelievable idea. Okay, the Chizkuni had a point about when the Mechatas was made. I'm not going to that. There's Yushalmi Megillah on this. Whatever it is, you can look it up yourself right over there. It's also the same bit of a question. There's a Malbim, a Rambam, a Ravid, a Grizz, Samsover, Chavetzelis, Asheron that goes through a bunch of this stuff, right? They ask about Mitzol and Otsafan. If Mitzol and Otsafan, why were they still Tomei Lenefesh Adam later on in this Parsha by the 14th of Nisan? If they all went through the process, like all of Shevet Levi over here with the Paradum ashes, and the answer, because it wasn't the full process of Paradum ashes, it's a long story. All of this is right there. But I'm going to go into the shaving part. Shaving off of their hair was a mitzvah. It was a mitzvah l'shah, but it was a mitzvah nazir memeral. It was an actual mitzvah to shave off their, shave off all of their hair. What in the world was the purpose of that? Why are we shaving off their heads? Except to make them look distinctive. And that was distinct. Right? What in the world is the purpose of this? So I have seven answers to this question. I'm not going to be able to do all of them, but I'll do at least some of them over here. Number one, the Bechor Shor says to make them look good. To make them look good. They would come before the king with a special look, similar to Yosef Atzadik, shaving and getting a haircut before he saw Paro. So too, Shevet Levi had to look good in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He had to look right, etc. Now the problem with that is, obviously Shevet Levi did not look good like this. This is a very strange look. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to have beards and whatever it is, right? So what in the world is this the look? Rabbi Yochanan was known as somebody who was... It was weird almost. The Gemara even questions it. He said he didn't have a beard. How could he be good looking? That was like the way that people looked good back then. And I assume it was because it was super hard to shave, right? Without a razor, obviously. So I assume that's the idea behind what it's referring to over here, right? Obviously, nowadays, it looks so much better without a beard. My wife tells me that all the time, but not happening because I'm a big rabbi now, so I got to have that beard, right? There's nothing I can do, right? And the crazier it looks, the more Chabad it looks, then the better I look, right? That's clear. I know that. So either way, but the Bechor Shor says that exact idea regarding this. He brings Xerah Shava, comparing them, whatever, and he says they look good. It's a weird shot. It's a weird shot. That is a really, really weird shot. I will tell you, there is an opinion. It's brought down, I bring it down a little bit later on, that says 
They didn't shave off all their head. They gave themselves really good haircuts. They cut every hair. You ever heard that joke? Like, are you getting your hair cut? And it's just one haircut? Why don't you get them all cut, right? That joke, right? We're just killing it with jokes tonight. So like, yeah, 100%. Like, that's, that's one of them. So according to that, that before short is exactly that line. It's a haircut. They cut every hair, but they didn't cut off all of the hairs. But that goes against every Gemara, every Mishnah, and every Medrash that goes on about these psukim, in which it's clear they were completely bald. Oh, what was Korach worried about? He came home and his wife's like, oh, you look super good. Moshe must hate you. It doesn't make any sense. Clearly Korach came home and he looked weird and that's why his wife questioned it. Yeah. Doesn't that also contradict the direct translation of the Pasuk? Heavier style, You will pass a razor all over all of their flesh. That's okay. Yeah, 100%. No, pass a razor over all of their flesh. Don't cut it down completely. Just cut it short. Right? That's okay. Right? Just get a two. A two on top and like a little six over here and like a little three. And you figure it out. Right? That's, that's how they translate it. It's okay. weird. It's definitely weird. Number two. Shach says, this is the Shach, the Talmud of the Arizal. He says, Shev Bnei Levi were cursed by Yaakov years ago. That clay chamas mecherosehem. They had weapons of destruction in their hands. They had weapons of destruction because of what they did in Shechem. They were told to take their swords out of their sheets by the Egel Azov and kill anyone who's involved in doing something wrong. That's Vaviru Sa'ar. The koach they got from the Satan, from the Malachim Maves, by the sword, that koach of Esav, put it away. Haviru Sa'ar does not mean literally to put a razor over their head. It was symbolism. Yes, they shaved off their head, but it was symbolism to put away the sword, to put away the knife, and to not use such things, to not use anything like that. Chibsu bigdayim, wash your clothing, means bugdayim, their betrayal. Cover it up, wash it away, get rid of all that thought, get rid of all the bad thoughts, get rid of the satan, shave it, lady, get ready for the next level. And that's what the shaving of the hair represented. It all represented that, but it meant something else entirely. A cool idea, that's how the shops does it. Rabbi Lazumi Garmiza and the Rabbeinu Ephraim, they both say that the clothing one wears when cooking for his master should not be the same when serving his master. The hair you had when you were preparing is not the same hair you should have when you're serving. When you serve, you should have different hair, so they cut it off so that new hair would grow, which is an interesting call, by the way, and we'll get to something halakhically that deals with that. Number four, Aznayin Latorah says hair is considered extra. You don't need it. It's not part of your body. If you cut off your skin, it bleeds and you're hurting. You cut off your hair, you don't feel it. It's not that big of a deal. So the extras, get rid of them. That means Shavit Lady has to act with extra alacrity. They have to get rid of their extras, their mostros, anything extra that they have. And that way they'll be mistopic bemuot. They'll be okay with the little bit that they have. And that's what we'll expect them from them from now on. The Mashilov says hair stands for anger. Shavit Lady was taken away from the world of Taiva, which is another discussion for another time is the Ishbitzer, and that's his way of looking at Sheva Levi. They would have no need for Kas. The only reason why there is anger in this world, says the Ishbitzer, is to get rid of Taiva. The only way you should use your anger is if you have a Taiva for something crazy, you get angry at it, and you get rid of that Taiva. You destroy that Taiva. That is the purpose of Kas. But if you don't have Taiva, Levi didn't have that, then you shouldn't have Kas. 
So it's a remez to getting rid of caste by getting rid of your, your hair. That's the idea behind it. Shimon at Tzaddik, if anybody remembers this Gemara, Nidaran daf Tesama Beis, Nazir daf it says that he's had one Nazir, he saw that Nazir, saw he took a look at himself in the river, saw how good looking he was, his taiva got a hold of him, and he got angry at it and screamed at himself and said, how dare you try to use this world for the wrong reasons and made himself into a Nazir so he'd have to cut off his hair after he goes through Naziris. That's a very, very famous thing. That's the idea behind Taiva and Kas. Not for now, but that's the idea. That's number five. Rashi brings down the famous words where Moshe Darshan. He says the Levium were given to Hashem as an atonement for the Bechors that worshipped the Bodhisattva. Because they worship the Bodhisattva, they're known as Zivchei Mesim. They're like dead people, right? They had to be atoned. They had to atone for a dead person. And a Mitzorah is also called a dead person. Since a Mitzorah cuts off their hair, they also had to. You ready for that? Let's do that again. Ready? The Levium atoned for B'nai Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael did Avodah Avodah people are called dead. A Mitzorah is also called dead. A mitzora cuts his hair, so we'll cut the Levium's hair. Did anybody get a, catch that? That, that, that? That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. This Ramosha Darshan, Rashi brings this down, and to, I, it, it, somehow that makes sense. Somehow that's the connection. That's how Rashi puts it. Now there's more. He goes through, there's a lot of kashas on this. Paneach Raza, Mechabulu, talk about is he really called somebody who's dead, etc. Tam Vidas wonders, he thinks it's because of Lashon Hara. There's a connection to Lashon Hara over here. You have to separate somebody. The whole point of a Mitzvah is to get rid of him because he can't be around other people. He doesn't know how to be around other people. He speaks Lashon Hara. So to this guy, this guy over here, Shevet Levi, they have to learn Torah all day long. They can't be around other people, therefore shave their head. Like show them as distinct. So when you see them in the street, you won't waste their time by asking them the cub score or something like that. You'll say to them, oh, that's a Talmud Chacham. You'll know just by looking at him that that's a Talmud Chacham. And for that reason, there are Rabbanim that have that look nowadays that will wear the up hat, so to speak, you know, the black hat that's just up or the long reckle, right? To be able to distinguish themselves from others that people know this is who I am. It is, I wouldn't say it's a form of gaiva. It's a form of understanding what you can be to people. And that way, when you walk through the street, you allow yourself to be distinguished. You allow yourself to be distinct from everyone else. And because I have massive gaiva, I don't even need that. And I think I'm better than everybody else. I, I, I'm fine as I am. I don't even need that stuff. So yeah, Shlomo, what are you going to say? I don't know which of these reasons. Should they have had to stay consistently shaved completely? Yeah, the whole time. And they would have kept doing it over and over and over again. It's unbelievable, right? It, it's mamish unbelievable. Now, the Irza Be'er Vasada that tries to explain as well, that says that hair refers to Kolchazatuma, and there's other regarding it. But I will tell you something crazy. Rechaim Paltiel, he's a Rishon, brings this down and says... This is the source for the minhag, that when a Baal Tshuva, somebody who is off the derech, comes back on the derech, he shaves his hair. It's a minhag. It's brought down in the Drisha, in Tur Yoridea, Reish Samach Zayin, Sif Gimel, in the name of Tosfos, in the Muk Yosef, in the Ritva, as well as Taz, in the Shulchan Aruch, and Reish Samach Zayin, Hey, quoting the Marashal. That's nuts. That's nuts. Now, I have never seen this done. I've never seen it that I've never seen a Baal a guy who was mamish off, who came back, who shaved their head. But it's brought down. I knew this. I knew that they went to the mikvah. I knew that anybody who was off and then came back is told to go to the mikvah. 
That I told a few people who have come up to me and said, now that I'm here, well, what else should I do? And I told them, go to the mikvah. That's a big thing. That's one of the things that they say. And that's brought down by all these farm as well. The tour brings that down straight out. But to get a haircut comes from this week's parsha. Shavit Levi brings themselves in. They're separating themselves. They got themselves away from Avodah Zarah because they were kapara for Klau Yisrael. So their first job is to get a haircut. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I, I, I wonder, by the way, if anybody sees this or hears this at some point, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear if a, a Rav or a, somebody is out there telling people to do it. I asked three Ravonim in Chicago. They said, we don't do that. We don't do that. But I want to know, is this done elsewhere? Is it, not, is it something that's normal that people know about? I have absolutely no idea. Now, there are those who ask the question, but if you're going to be like Shavit Levy, then you should shave your payest and your beard as well. If you're shaving it all off, Right? It's not just the hair, it's the beard and the face as well. So shave everything if you're a new Balchuva. And they go crazy. That should, the, the question was asked to the Shvus Yaakov, right? The Truma said, Deshem brings up something about this. Right? The Shvus Yaakov says, no, he's bringing himself back on the Derek, and you want him to be over on Isurim? In the Torah, it's a mitzvah assay for the Levim to shave. So that mitzvah assay trumps the fact that they're not allowed to shave their beards and payas. That's the mitzvah, so they did it. But otherwise, you can't do that for a regular Balchuba. That's just a smach. That's just we're relying on something. We're doing something. Stam. That's the idea behind it. But that brings down the Chizkuni and the Rechaim Paltiyo. Rechaim Paltiyo and the Chizkuni are the ones that said, similar to the Bechor Shore up above, where they didn't cut off the head completely because they said, how dare they shave the payas and the beard? They can't. It's usher. So they only shaved every hair shorter. But they didn't shave off everything completely. That was their opinion. Again, it's mefurish against the Mishnah and Nazir. It's strange, very, very strange. But regardless, it seems, right, there were other things. Now, the base of Starm, we already mentioned those areas under the arms, down in that area by the, by the what's it called, by the erva, those hairs were not shaved. The chest hair, I never saw. Base of Starm is what it's called. I'm not sure if that refers to specifically base of Shachi, base of erva, or is referring to any hair on top of your body. I'm, I'm absolutely not positive. And there's, there's more. But then there's an Ibn Ezra. The Ibn Ezra in Pshat says in this parsha again, totally against the Mishnah Nazir, they shaved off their beards, but not their payas. They didn't shave off their payas. So they shaved off their entire... By the way, I totally understand Korach's wife's problem now. I'm okay with a lot of people that go completely bald. It doesn't look so weird to us nowadays, you know? Like we see so many people that are completely bald. It's like, okay, that's sort of normal, right? But you have a guy who is completely bald on top of their head, completely bald in their beard, and they just have payas. That's super weird. That looks super weird. You know what I'm saying? That looks like something is off. Something is just a little bit off. Says the Ibn Ezra, that's what they did. Sheva Levi. The Rabbeinu B'chayah says the same thing. They don't bring any Midrashic source. There's no source for it. They just say it straight out. That's, again, it's completely against the Gemara. They're completely against the Mishnah. I don't know what to say about that. The parties Yosef even changes the gear. So he says it's got to be Avolo Beisastarim. They didn't mean Avolo Apeis. They must have switched it completely. It must be this and that's that. When the Chafetz Chaim was asked about this Ibn Ezra, I don't know if the Chafetz Chaim even saw the Rabbeinu Bechaya. I don't know. But when he was asked about this Ibn Ezra, he said a Talmud Toa wrote it. A mistaken student wrote these words. There is no way the Ibn Ezra could have written it. And he said there are people that added to the Ibn Ezra and they're actually subtra- subtractions. They're actually subtractions. You should never do that, right? But again, it's hard, but it's hard to say that because it's not just the Ibn Ezra. It's also in the Rabbeinu Bechaya. 
I, I, I don't know why the Chavetz Chaim wasn't asked about the Rabbi Nebuchai about both of them. But to say that both of them were forged with the same words, for what purpose? I, I don't even understand what the purpose is, unless somebody just made a total mistake and misunderstood everything. I don't understand how that mistake could have possibly been made. And to say that you could shave the beard, which are five deal rises, right? Either here, here, and here, or here, here, and there, whatever it is. But you have five deal rises versus the payas, which I guess... In theory, is the deal rights by every hair. I, I'm not sure what exactly is going on here. So the Yosef Omitz, the Chidah, was asked this question by Rabbi Yehuda Nagar of Tunisia. And he took it as a very serious question on the Ibn Ezra. And he said, we, he didn't want to say that the Girs was wrong. He didn't want to say that. He suggests that sit, although the drusha of Rabbi Moshe Hadarshan from Rashi, right, compares the Levium to a Mitzorah, compares them, but not to the point where you could be over on Dil Raisas. So the Chidah suggests that really they meant that you can't shave the beard or the payas, but you could shave other parts of the beard. Meaning, what's a Dil Raisa by the beard? The five corners, right? Now, we don't know what those five corners are, but the Rishonim did know what they are. So they said, here's what they would hold. <laughs> Mamish, it gets even weirder. The Levium shaved their entire heads and all of their beard except for five spots of hair. They left a spot of hair here, spot of hair here, spot of hair here, and maybe here, according to Rashi, and here, according to others, like right around there, and then their payas entirely. They left that and shaved the rest of it off. That is how the Chidah says that Ibn Ezra and the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar are understanding it. He says that must be that they had a Maimar Chazal about it and they understood it that way. I, I can't get it. I mamish can't understand it. The Torah Chaim says they did shave off all of their hair, including the payas. But they didn't use a razor on the payas. They used a razor on the rest of their head and on the payas they just cut it with the scissors. So it would be a Dorabona, not a Deal Raisa. It would be a scissors and not a... That, that would be a dura, possible Durabana as a machlokas if you can use scissors on pace. But that's what he suggests right over there. But again, that doesn't help because a razor doesn't work for the beard either. And they specifically say not the beard. I have no answer for the Rabbeinu Bachaya the Ibn Ezra. I have no idea what the answers are that they're trying to give over here. I'm totally lost in what this was. We're going to end with this, everybody. Every lady shaved the hair on top of their head. And that includes Moshe Rabbeinu. The Gemara says that straight out in Sanhedrin Kuvyot according to Rav. Rav says that Moshe Rabbeinu shaved every hair of his body. The problem is, Rav himself holds in Zvachim Dap Kufalaf that Moshe Rabbeinu had the status of a Kohen Gadol, not a Levi. So Rav says that Moshe Rabbeinu shaved his head like all the other Levim. But Rav also says that he was a Kohen Gadol. Kohen Gadol. So how in the world would he be, why would he need to shave off all the hair of his head? What would it be? So Chaim Knievsky suggests, this is our last thing, that Moshe was not like Aram. When Aaron became a Kohen, he left all the status of Shevet Levi behind. He was a Kohen and not a Levi. Moshe Rabbeinu kept the status of a Kohen and was also a Levi. He had the Chumras of both. He was a Kohen Gadol and a Levi. And whichever one, he was either a Meshorer or a Meshuar. If I remember correctly, I think that Gemara in Zvachim says he was a Meshorer. He was a singer. Moshe Rabbeinu was in that category, but he had that. And that means that when Aaron comes back, he'll be a Kohen. When Moshe Rabbeinu comes back, even though he was a Kohen Gadol and is a Kohen Gadol, he officially has the status of a Levi, which means he'll be able to take Truma 
and Maiserishan from Klal from Yisrael, not only because of Takana Zezra, but he'll be able to take it as both a coin and a levy. So that's what we learned for this week, guys. This has been all about Kachas what they need to do, and the razor on top of their head. Have a great Shabbos.